This is a, just a future picture of the next six weeks in our series. So what we're starting with today, we've called God's Big Picture. And today, I'm hoping that we will answer the question of why. Why overseas mission? Um, looking at the world from God's perspective. And I'm going to start at Genesis and take you through to Jesus. Hand over to David. He'll talk about Jesus. Hand back to me and we'll go through to the end of the Bible. We won't be here forever, don't worry. It's about getting an overview and seeing how God has always, always loved all peoples and wanted all peoples to be with him. Um, and various people who speak various different languages have also agreed to get involved. If you're one of those, maybe you can give me a wave. People who are going to read out, yeah, that's great. So nearer the end, we'll have lots of um, different languages speaking out some verses from Revelation. If you haven't sent me an email or talked to me and you do speak uh, a different language and you want to get involved, it's not too late. Revelation 7.9, that's the verse to look up. So, if I press the right button, here we are. Now, some of you might recognize this picture. This is from our Bible course that we did last year. Who did the Bible course? I think there are about 50 or 60 of us. So you'll recognize this. It's basically a timeline going from Genesis, starting with a tree, all the way through um, dropping off into Egypt when the Israelites were captive, and then God set them free, got the promised land, southern kingdom, exile into Babylon, and then we have the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, and we go through all the way to Revelation, and there's a tree of life at the end. So this is a, a picture of the Bible, and I'll just use it sort of as a, I know you can't see all the details, but it's a visual demonstration of God's big picture. Um, so here we are starting at Genesis, and that's the reading that, that Helen kindly read for us. So what can we say about Abraham? Well, he actually wasn't, probably wasn't a monotheist. In other words, he probably wasn't a person who believed in only one God because we've got records from the time that show that most people worshipped a whole myriad of gods. But it's amazing because God, in his desire to reach all people, decided to start with one man and his family. And I just want to say that here, if you, if you feel like you're one man or one woman and a family, that's enough. Because that's where God started. When he wanted to reach the planet, he just started with one um, and Abraham didn't really know God. He just said yes. So he went from being a polytheist to being a monotheist in one day, basically because he met God. God spoke to him, and it changed him. And so, as Helen read, the reason I wanted her to read all the extra bits about Abraham going here and there, just to show us that he actually did obey God. God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a family at this point, how many kids did Abraham have? A big fat, big fat egg, as we say in India. <laughs> a zero. He didn't even have a single son. God said, I'm going to give you a big family. I'm going to bless you. And through you and your family, I'm going to bless all people on earth. That was the promise. And Abraham said, all right then. <laughs> and he picked up his um, various possessions and he, he set off. Well, that's quite amazing. So that's something for us too. God speaks and he's like, okay then, all right then. Come on, Sarah. Get the camels ready. 
and, and off they went. And everywhere they went, um, Helen read for us that he built an altar and worshipped God. So he basically responded, and that's, that's our dream in this whole mission series, that we also hear God speaking to us and we respond and do what he says. So what can we say about the promise? Well, Abraham was called to follow God wholeheartedly, which he did. He was promised blessing. He was also promised land, but if you notice, the first promise was for blessing. I'm gonna bless you, and through you and your family, I'm gonna bless all nations. That was the very first promise, and after that, he, we heard he promised to give the land of Canaan to Abraham and his descendants. So promised blessing and called to bless all nations. There we are. Oh, I've gone too far. (laughs) Let's just read those key verses again. The Lord had said to Abraham, or Abraham as his name was at the time, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you, at this point with no kids, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Skip forward. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. It's the same call to us, actually, that God wants to say to us, all families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham was obedient. Maybe you'd better do it, Becky. Yeah, that's better. So I'm skipping through the Bible. But what we see through the history of Abraham and his descendants, obviously at this point, it's post-Adam, so... They do follow God, but not always perfectly. People sin, people mess up, people forget all about God, um, go around in circles. And what we see through the whole of the Bible up to this point is people who are following God some of the time and then basically forgetting about God. And um, it's almost like they're in survival mode. If we could go to the next slide. God's people forget to follow God wholeheartedly. They lose the blessing temporarily, and then they follow him and get it back. They forget to bless all nations. This is critical. They start, you know, not looking after the foreigners in their land instead of providing for them. And they basically forget who they are. And they are in what we could call survival mode. And I've put a note on the screen that says, sound familiar? Because I think some of us um, at different, maybe all of us at different stages of our life can get into survival mode where we're basically just living. Um, And we may or may not be following God, but we maybe are just getting through the day or just getting through the week. um, And we forget that we are blessed to be a blessing to all nations. Um, And I really felt this in my heart when I was preparing And I just wanted to put it as a question. Do you need God's help to get out of survival mode? Do you feel like you're in survival mode at the moment? You're just kind of getting through the week and you want God to help you and kind of pick you up and say, let me remind you who you are. Let me help you again to focus on on me, focus on the nations. Um, And I say this not as a criticism, but as an invitation. 
it's an invitation this morning. I remember a period in my life when I was working so hard, um, like 12-hour days, and I basically really forgot about God Monday to Friday, and then I'd wake up in a daze on Saturday and say, oh, hello, God. <laughs> and I was in survival mode at that point um, in my heart and in my lifestyle, um, but thankfully God pulled me out of that. And so I believe the same for us here today. And maybe we'll just pause because I think, because laid it, God laid it on my heart, I think there will be some people who f- really identify with that and feel this is where you, you're at. You're in survival mode. You need God's help to pull you out of that. So let's just pause and I'll just say a quick prayer. Father, I thank you that you never forget who we are, even if we do temporarily. Father, I thank you that there's no judgment. There's just an invitation to get out of survival mode and get back into a place of knowing who we are and knowing who we can be for others and for the nations. And I pray for every person in this room and in the congregation, people who aren't here today, who are in survival mode and are saying, God, I need you to help me get out of that. I pray for your power pray for your inspiration. I pray for people to gather around them, Father, that they would stop surviving and start living again. And I know that that's the cry of people's hearts, some people's, and thank you, God, that you've got the power to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, we just wanted to stop and pray at the moment while we were talking about it. So if we, thank you, Becky. So as I said, not going to take too long walking through the Bible. But as we've seen, through one man's obedience, there was a people who some of the time remembered who they were and remembered their call to be a blessing for the nations. But they still had the fundamental problem that we all share, which is that they messed up. And they had lost that permanent connection with God that their hearts all cried out for. And so the prophets kept on calling people back and reminding people and speaking about the Savior, the one who was going to come and make everything right. And ultimately, that's Jesus. Now you're on. Jesus. Where do I begin and where do I end to talk about Jesus? As I was praying about this during the week, I felt somewhat overwhelmed. What can I say? about Jesus. I could say a whole lot, but it might not mean anything. I could say, Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, the one who makes the difference in my life, and sit down again. What does Jesus mean to you? This was the focus of it. This was the plan. This is God's big picture, right from the book of Genesis, where Jesus' coming was prophesied. This is the direction of where it is. And in one sense, that story that uh, Emma has unfolded for us is the story of God's unfailing love through all the good times that Abraham and the people had, all the times of failure, all the times of difficulty, and God says, I call you back out of survival mode. And ultimately, he has to come to that place, seen right from the beginning of time, I really do believe that, where one would come, who would make all the difference. Jesus. 
a Messiah, yes, for God's people, uh, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, but a Messiah for a much bigger group of people and a much bigger world and perspective than you and I could ever see. Well, I was praying about this just yesterday morning, and it was, it was quite strange in some ways, uh, as I felt, I, I did literally feel overwhelmed. What can I say? I mean, all of you here will know the name of Jesus. Many of you have committed your lives to him. What fresh thing can I say that brings Jesus alive as the focal point and the center of what the Bible is all about? Time, life changes when Jesus comes on the scene. And funnily enough, some words came to me written by a poet back in the 19th century. It's like this. Some of you might know it as a hymn. I am not skilled to understand what God hath willed, what God hath planned. I only know at his right hand stands one who is my saviour. I take him at his word indeed. Christ died for sinners. This I need, for in my heart I find a need of him to be my saviour that he should leave his place on high and come for sinful man to die. You count it strange? So once did I, before I knew my Savior. Yes, living, dying, let me bring my strength, my solace from this spring, that he who lives to be my king once died to be my Savior. This is at the center of God's big picture. This is his ultimate plan. I was sitting in Bangkok Airport on Tuesday morning, and by the side of me was a young man, fooled of all the skills of technology that I'm jealous of. And he had an iPlan, and he had an app there, and I was just peering over as, well, perhaps you don't, but I do, uh, and I was intrigued. And on his app, he had this uh, thing that showed all the planes that were coming into Bangkok Airport. All these lines were coming down, and there in the middle was a bright light, and it said, Suravumbahum Airport. I can never say that word probably, but that's something like that. And they were all focusing in on the airport. And then I sat there, I, I felt God spoke to me, he said, that's what you've got to say on Sunday morning. Jesus is the focal point. Everything points to him. Everything in the world, everything in life, everything in connect, connection uh, with him is to do with the center of God's heart of love. And so, as I put there on the screen there, Jesus was the focal point. It was God's plan that he should come, that man should know. What do I mean by this? Man? Woman? Yes. You, Steve. You, Dennis. Mark, and even me, should know that God loves us with an irrepressible love, and not just us, because the story goes on to say that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan, of that blessing that was talked about in Genesis 12, that Abraham was to not be just blessed himself, but that he should be a blessing to all families and nations in the world. You see, it moves on. Yes, he is the focal point, but not just for one group of people. 
It says in Luke's Gospel that uh, when the announcement was made by the angels, today your Saviour, the Lord Messiah, was born in the city of David. It was for the shepherds, but it was for all people in every nation, in every time, and in every generation. And he comes as the fulfilment of the big picture. I have come not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 6, 38. God's purpose is that every man, woman, child, whoever walks the face of the earth should know that God loves them so much that he comes himself to reveal his heart of love to all people. One of the amazing things about traveling is this, that it sometimes simplifies things for you. And a couple of weeks ago when I was uh, preaching in a Thai church, and uh, a lot of, well, most of the people there had been come to faith, come to be believers out of a Buddhist background. And uh, there were bare people who were searching for Jesus. And this one young man in his 20s said to me after the service, I've never heard what you've shared before in the way that you've shared it. And this was his question. Tell me more, not about Christianity, not about the Bible, tell me more about Jesus. And I sat for an hour and talked about what Jesus meant to me and shared scripture with me. I wish I could tell you that I led him to the Lord, but all I can tell you is that when my taxi arrived, he flung his arms around me and said, I'm halfway there. He has a very interesting Thai name, Mickey. Pray for him. Why? Because it's Jesus' desire, whether it be there, whether it be here, whether it be the person you walk past on the way home from church, the person you sit next to in the office, because God's plan is that you should reveal that God, through Jesus, wants to be a friend to all people. He wants to be known by all. And as Mark read, how will they know unless somebody tells them? The challenge for me is always, who have I told Jesus about this week? Have I kept it to myself? Or is my life, my words, not just words, it's life, isn't it? Is sharing about Jesus, the fulfillment, the focal point, the desire that every man, woman, and child should come to faith in Jesus. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What a privilege! You and I surrendered to him, seeing the big picture of God's love for all people in all time, to share the words of life, the name of Jesus, with somebody that will turn their life around. And that's why Jesus is the focus of everything that happens in the Old Testament. You'll find reference to him in some way or other. I've got a list of home, uh, home of every Old Testament book says something about Jesus, because that's the story of God's heart of love, that ultimately man didn't make it in that sense of successful living and serving God. So God comes himself for you, for me, 
for all the people represented by these flags around the world who've not yet heard the name of Jesus. So this Monday morning, I arrive at Rahab Ministries in Bangkok, and they tell me out of the blue, oh, did you know that you're dedicating our new cafe this morning? No. So off we went in the taxi, and I'm raking in my mind, what can I say, and what can I pray, and what scripture shall I use? But you know, actually, that was irrelevant. I sat at a table with seven women who'd been in the bars in Bangkok, serving the sex industry, serving the men in their sad way of life, let me put it like that. And I sat with them, and I said, how did you become a Christian? I met somebody from this place, and they brought me to faith. Wow. Because Jesus is the center of God's plan. It goes on from there, because we're a part of the new story, and Emma's going to come and share that now. But my question to you is this, and my question is to my own heart also at the same time. That whereas Jesus said, yes, I came to share my truth with the people of Israel, but I have another flock that I must share with as well, and that's all people in all over the world. And he said, they will be one flock with me. That's his heart, a family of lovers of God who have discovered God's heartbeat through Jesus. And for me it says, do I have a living relationship with Jesus? that takes me through every day and every week with a purpose, a plan, a goal, a focal point. It's Jesus. He's the one who will bring my life and your life to fulfillment. And how do I do that? By showing his friendship to us with those that we come in contact with day by day. How alive, how living, is your relationship with Jesus and mine. The passion of God for his world that he sent Jesus to pay the price that we might know him, love him, serve him. Yes, be blessed, but just like Abraham, to become a blessing to the rest of the world. And the story moves on to show us that it is our privilege and our responsibility. Thank you, David. So, the story goes on. Jesus died, rose again, went back up to heaven. But before he left, he told his very closest friends and followers, wait for the Holy Spirit. And next week... And the week after, the two talks we have are going to be about those early followers, first followers of Jesus, and what happened when the Holy Spirit touched them, empowered them, and they suddenly understood the big picture, and they started going out and telling people in their neighborhood, and then further afield. And they had a bit of um, redirection of their thoughts as well, realizing that, gosh, it's not just for our people we really need to tell everyone. So we'll look at that in the coming weeks. Um, and obviously you know the stories, but it's good to hear them again and have it refreshed. What I want to do now is focus on the very final 
picture. Because we heard about God's heart in the beginning. I want to bless you, Abraham, and through you to bless all families in all nations. And John, one of Jesus' very early friends and followers, also had an amazing call, an amazing revelation that he wrote down in the book of Revelation. And this is what it says. First, um, the big blue circle. He basically gives us a picture of heaven. This is what John received in a vision. Of every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, all together and worshiping God. So many people that you couldn't count them. At that point, it must have seemed impossible. John wrote the book of Revelation possibly on an island where he was, um, had been sort of sent away, exiled. Um, Christians were being martyred. Many of his friends had already lost their lives. They were a small number, maybe a few thousand, but still, if you think about the world population, a tiny number. But God spoke and gave this vision and helped John to see, and now that helps us to see, regardless of what's going on right around you, this is where it's heading, and this is God's heart, and he showed us. I'll just read what's on the screen. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And fast forward a few verses, and then one of the elders, the 24 elders, explains to John, he, meaning Jesus, will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. That is the big picture. And one thing I want to say here this morning is that people want this. You know, sometimes people criticize me for being a missionary. Why do you go to other countries where people already have their own culture, they've got their own religion? Um, Can't you just leave them alone? (laughs) They're happy, they're fine. Um, And I usually explain that I'm not going in to force anything. If people want to hear, I'll share. If they don't want to hear, I won't share. (laughs) I'm not going to hit people over the head with the Bible. And And that is absolutely true. But in my heart, I know that people are desperate for this. So we can look on the outside and we can say, those people are fine. They have their own way of doing things. Their life is working. They're happy some of them, but actually they're crying out for God to lead them to springs of life-giving water and wipe every tear from their eyes. And I know that from personal experience, and I'll just share one story with you that came to me when I was preparing. I had a friend called Monica, um, a young, young friend. Um, sorry, she's not that young, but she's short. <laughs> so I'm just remembering her. I mean, most Indians are shorter than me, but she's quite petite. Mum has met her. Um, Monica, I knew for six years and I used to visit her house. She came to our English Institute and learned English and we, we, we got on well and she would tell me every now and again about dreams that she'd had of snakes and different symbols of the, one of the Hindu gods, Shiva. And she was a really solid Shiva um, worshipper. And she would have these dreams, and in, in that part of India, if you have a dream, 
of a snake or a god, a representative of a god, it's a really good thing because you think, wow, the god has blessed me. So she would wake up in the morning and I would go around for a cup of tea and she would say, I had a dream of a snake and it was the Lord Shiva. And I, you know, I'm obviously not going to say, oh, great. Um, but I was left with the impression, here is a person who doesn't really want to know about Jesus. I'm just being honest with you. That was my mistake for six years. I got the impression that here's someone who's fine with her own way of doing things. She's not going to be open, I said to myself. Well, thankfully, somebody else, hearing about her headaches and the repeated medical problems that she'd had, repeated headaches that wouldn't go away, stopped her studying. One of our other believers, Kumani believer, said to her, you know, Jesus can take those headaches away. Somebody else shared the good news with her, with my friend. And she came to faith in Jesus and thanked me. And I asked for her forgiveness quite recently and said, I'm so sorry that I never shared about Jesus with you. I thought you weren't interested, but that was wrong. And she said yes, and she totally forgave me. <laughs> she said yes, you thought I wasn't interested because I was to always talking about Shiva, but actually I really needed someone just to tell me. So when her mum called me up, Monica's mum called me up a few years ago and said, I really need to talk to you about God. I was like, yes, now I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. Invited her over, went round to her house, didn't hold back from sharing the gospel. And she actually made a commitment to Jesus in my living room, which is an amazing privilege. But I share the story with you as an illustration. People are crying out for living water. And even people, I would say peoples, nations, you know, we saw that on the picture, millions and millions of groups, millions of people who've never heard about Jesus, they're, they're crying out for him. And this is, is our privilege to be part of it. And there are different ways we can do that. And we'll be talking more about the specifics as we go through this course. In a nutshell, pray, give, and go. Those are the kind of a tagline, but it's what we say. You can pray, you can give, you can go, you can do all three. Um, we can all get involved. But this isn't something that we only think people want. It's actually something that people want. It's God's heart because he knows that people are most happy, most fulfilled, most alive when they have got him in their lives and Jesus in their lives. And we get to be part of that. So the, the big picture is all nations, all tribes, all languages in heaven. And now I'd like to invite people who speak different languages to come up. And we're going to have a very quick illustration of just a small illustration of what heaven might be like. So please come on up now. Can I make this work? And we're going to hear the same verse from Revelation 7, 9 from lots of different languages. Would you come up with me on this stage or is that too scary? Too scary. <laughs> so we're just a small group representing a few languages, but there are going to be 7,000 languages in heaven. 
if we will get out there and bring them in. Okay, so why don't you just, first we'll just hear the, your name and your language. We'll go through like that, and then we'll listen to the Bible verses in the different languages, and we've got one on the tape as well. Your name and your language. Uh, I'm Ursula, and I'm going to read in German, although my mother tongue is actually Swiss German, which is different. Okay, thank okay. you. David, is modern Hebrew. Thanks, David. It's Nathanwi, and I'm reading Afrikaans from South Africa. Thank Even you. Specifically. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, Daryl or uh, the Jan is uh, Chinese language. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Daryl. Neva, uh, reading from Philippines. From Filipino. the Philippines, yeah, Philippines. great. Uh, we're also, uh, Neva and I um, speak Tagalog, but they have their own dialect as well, which uh, is also really good. We have um, many dialects in the Philippines. Great. Tagalog is the main uh, native language. So are you going to read the same dialect um, or two different ones? We, we have the same dialect, yeah. but we can just read one yeah. first. And that's yeah, fine. yeah. Well, that's great. So that's exciting. Tagalog. Yeah. So let's, let's hear it. I was going to do Hindi, but I've forgotten to get it uh, ready. So let's, let's hear all these languages. Right, let's start off. Danach schaute ich auf und siehe da eine große Menge, die niemand zählen konnte, aus allen Nationen, Stämmen, Völkern und Sprachen, die vor dem Thron und vor dem Land stand, angetan mit weißen Kleidern und Palmen in ihren Händen. That's great, just verse 9. <laughs> Wow, that's cool. We're doing verse 9 separately and then we're going to do verse 10 together at the end, just so you know. Yeah. Een menigte uit alle volken, stamgroepen, naties en talen gezien, wat niemand kon tellen mee, wat staan voor die troon en voor hom, wat die lammes aangetrekken, wit kleren en met palmtakken in alle handen. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Pagkatapos nito, nakita ko ang napakaraming tao na di kayang bilangin ni Numan. Sila'y mula sa bawat bansa, lahi, bayan at wika. Nakatayo sila sa harap ng trono at ng kordero, nakadamit ng puti at may hawak na palaspas. Thank you so much. Do you want to do a different one? Uh, that's the same, yeah. And we've also got Paula reading in Brazilian Portuguese. Depois disso, olhei, e diante de mim estava uma grande multidão que ninguém podia contar. De todas as nações, tribos, povos e línguas, em pé, diante do trono e do cordeiro, com vestes brancas e segurando palmas. So what we just heard was people from every nation, tribe, 
people and language, and literally a demonstration of that. And then I'll say the beginning of verse 10, and if we all read together the second part of verse 10. So they all shouted together in a loud roar. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Wow. I just love that. And even though it's obvious, it, it struck me when I was preparing this, that when you read about all these nations worshiping God together with a loud roar, they're not all going to be speaking English. It's going to be like that. It's going to be everybody worshiping God in their own language, in their own expression. And that is God's dream. So the opportunity now, maybe the musicians could um, come up and give us a bit of accompaniment. The opportunity and the invitation, the call for us as we're thinking about the Great Commission this year is for us to say, yes, God, I see your dream and I want to be a part of it. And obviously the first part of that is to open our hearts so that we can understand more of God's love, more of God's heart for all peoples. Um, and it may be that you feel like you've understood part of that, but you're saying, God, I open my heart to you and I want to receive more of your love for, for the nations, more of your love for even the people that I meet when I walk out the door. So that's something that you might want to pray as we sing this next song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Or you might already feel like you've grasped, even through the service today, something more of God's heart for the nations. And you might want to say, God, I see your heart. Show me what you want me to do. What's my part? And that can change throughout the course of our lives. But it's, God, what's my part now? What are you calling me to do even this week that I start to get involved in seeing your dream reached? <laughs>